welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Amy and Marla and Todd and Craig. Hope everyone's doing well. Craig brought something to my attention, and I'm going to work on this. Uh, we're here to have a meeting and talk about the Dow. If it's a good podcast or not, it's irrelevant. So we're going to talk about recovery. We're going to talk about how this is speaking to us. We're going to try to keep it in that light. Um, any announcements we need to make before we begin? The uh, I do want to mention the 9 p.m. Eastern meeting that we have at zoomaameetings.com uh, every night. Uh, Amy chairs Sunday. I chair Friday. Todd co-hosts on Friday. And Amy also does a beginner breakout on Friday. So got a lot of good things going on there. It's 9 p.m. Eastern every night. You can get there at Zoom aameetings.com log into your zoom account first because it asks for authentication that's how we do it without a password so the empty boat does everyone have the pdf everyone got it okay um marla you want to read for us and we can just read it all the way through then come back and talk if we don't finish it all talking about it today it's a lot you know, we'll just take it as it comes, but I'd like to read through the whole thing once, if you, if you wouldn't mind. The Empty Boat. He who rules men lives in confusion. He who is ruled by men lives in sorrow. Yao therefore desired neither to influence others nor to be influenced by them. The way to get clear of confusion and free of sorrow is to live with Tao in the land of the great void. If a man is crossing a river and an empty boat collides with his own skiff, even though he be a bad-tempered man, he will not become very angry. But if he sees a man in the boat, he will shout at him to steer clear. If the shout is not heard, he will shout again and yet again and begin cursing, and all because there is somebody in the boat. Yet if the boat were empty, he would not be shouting and not angry. If you can empty your own boat, crossing the river of the world, no one will oppose you. No one will seek to harm you. The straight tree is the first to be cut down. The spring of clear water is the first to be drained dry. If if you wish to improve your wisdom and shame the ignorant, to cultivate your character and outshine others, a light will shine around you as if you had swallowed the sun and the moon. You will not avoid calamity. A wise man has said, he who is content with himself has done a worthless work. Achievement is the beginning of failure. Fame is the beginning of disgrace. Who can free himself from achievement and from fame, descend and be lost amid the masses of men? He will flow like Tao unseen. He will go about like life itself with no name and no home. Simple is he without distinction. To all appearances, he is a fool. His his steps leave no trace. He has no power. 
He achieves nothing, has no reputation. Since he judges no one, no one judges him. Such is the perfect man. His boat is empty. Thank you, Marla. Any comments before we go to everyone else? From Marla? Marla, you have anything on that that you want to? Which part? <laughs> Let's just go back to the beginning and just or overall, just anything. It doesn't matter. Uh, well, Yao is, if I don't know if you had looked it up or not, he's a, a mythological emperor from the 24th century. He was said to have no ego. And he, also that his, um, when he reigned, uh, the, the skies, you know, the planets were like jewels and there's gold in the water and, you know, everything was just grand. Um, but he was without ego is I think the main thing. Okay. Yeah. Cause it mentions Yao therefore desired neither to influence others nor to in, be influenced by them in the first stanza. So, okay. So he's, he's practicing the Tao in other words. Yes. It sounds okay. like he always has. Okay. And, uh, yeah. That's our, that's our Yao. Okay. Anything else, Marla? Okay. Any, anyone else have a comment starting out? Lou, good to have you, sir. Hi, Lou. Nice to see you. Good to be back. Yeah, we. I put the uh, reading in the chat in case you needed it. Um, Thank you, buddy. He who rules men lives in confusion. He who is ruled by men lives in sorrow. So we don't want to be, we don't want to rule, nor do we want to be ruled. Neither one of those is the right answer, right? So it says Yao desired to neither to influence others nor to be influenced by others. That's acceptance, I think. The way to get clear of confusion and free of sorrow is to live with the Tao in the land of the great void. Does that mean in the land of great emptiness, of being empty like a chalice is empty? Is that how you take it to mean? Well, if you, a, a definition of void is to be completely empty. So, so it's the land of emptiness. Sorry. I'm sorry, there's a bug. <laughs> the land of emptiness. So the goal is to live in emptiness, basically. And he starts giving an example of how to see that. If a man's crossing a river and an empty boat collides with his own skiff, even though he is a bad-tempered man, he will not become very angry. Yeah, you know, there's nobody in the boat controlling it, so why, you know, you, you, he wouldn't get mad, very mad, because uh, he wouldn't become very angry. He might become angry, but not very angry. Haven't but you found that sometimes? Like when you're angry with something and there's no, nothing there to be angry at? There's, yeah. no, there's no reason to be angry. There's no one to point my anger at, right? Then he says, if he sees a man in the boat, he will shout at him to steer clear. If the shout's not heard, he'll shout again and yet again and begin cursing. And all because there is somebody in the boat. 
Yet if the boat were empty, he would not be shouting and not angry. If you can empty your own boat crossing the river of the world, no one will oppose you. No one will seek to harm you. I was talking to with someone about this earlier. And I said, I'd never thought about, I'm to look at my own boat as being empty too. Are you looking at it as like being void of ego? Yeah. See, because he says, if you can empty your own boat. So not only are we to look at other boats as being empty, the goal is to look at ourselves as being empty too. So that is that that's humility then. That's the first three steps. Surrender and humility. Yeah. Maybe it's my boat crashing into everybody else's and I'm in control of it. Yeah, I see I see trying to be in control and then being controlled and then looking at other people to blame because that's it. What we think is the easier, softer way, right? But it's not because it's everybody else's fault. The world is out to get me. Mm-hmm. Then I kind of got lost. <laughs> you know, I guess because my boat's not empty. I don't know. Well, you know, we look at life and we want to blame someone when things are bad, and then we want to take credit when things are good. Don't we see this when we're doing step eight? When when we're doing our amends, we're making less of our amends. We look at the, the list of people that we've harmed and what we've actually done. And I know, I know when I was doing mine, mine was always, yeah, but they did this. And buddy's like, yeah, well, let's just forget what everybody else has done. This is what you've done. This is this is what this is your part in it. So really, what's in your boat that you need to take care of? What what are you responsible for? What's your part in it? But I'd never looked at it as as a boat. I'd always I'd always kind of looked at it as and keeping my side of the street clean before criticizing somebody else or how about in that case though craig maybe it's you got to forgive yourself too right first Mm -hmm. sometimes a lot of the times i have to start i mean it always starts with me right and that goes back to the acceptance when i'm disturbed you know it's always something going on with me even though that sucks and i don't want to look at my part because that it's so much easier it takes less energy I think that's the delusional dishonesty, right? Those are the delusions that I tell myself that it's easier for me to look at you and tell you what's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's easier to blame everybody else. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know when you work with sponsees, when they're doing their eight stuff and that very rarely do people put themselves on that list. You know, the the list of people they've harmed, you know, I've probably done myself more damage and, you know, do I owe an amends to myself rather than just everybody straight off? Where do I start? Is, is that really where I should start is making amends with myself? And I think so. And it took me a couple of years to realize that too, though, even mm-hmm. working with my sponsor. But maybe this whole yelling at the man in the boat, how many times do I get ir- Just yesterday, I was so angry and I couldn't figure out why I was angry. It was like a whole nother day. Like this happened last week too. And I was able to figure out that was fear last week. And I'm sure this is fear somewhere in here too. I just hadn't gotten there yet, but I'm like yelling at myself essentially because I am angry. So I am the man in the boat and I'm the man in the other boat 
because I'm yelling at myself. It's like, I know that sounds crazy as shit, but like, I'm like two people, right? I'm like yelling at myself because I'm angry because why should you be angry? There's no real reason for you to be angry. And it was like, ah, so today, I guess I'm trying to figure out how to empty both boats. Because no one will oppose you. No one will seek to harm you if you if you can empty your own boat. I think that's probably because we're not seeking to harm anyone else. So no one seeks to harm us. We like to think so, yeah. I, like to think I think so. that's how that works, that loving others, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not do unto mm-hmm. others as they do unto you. Teach people how to treat you by treating them well. And I think the way I made amends to myself was making my amends to other people. Because when I started caring about other people, I could start caring for myself. I couldn't care for myself first. That's how it happened for me. That makes sense. That's just me. Uh, So the goal really isn't to empty other people's boats. The goal is to only, you can only empty your own boat. But you treat them like, they're not like they're empty. So it's not about emptying their boat. You can't do that. You can only empty your own. Mm-hmm. Good or bad, right? One of my favorite quotes from uh, John Wooden, very famous basketball coach at US, UCLA, used to always say, you got 24 hours. You have 24 hours to celebrate your victories or 24 hours to wallow in your failures and then get back to work. Right. So that's just continually getting empty, not building. Oh, we won whatever his numbers were, 12 championships or something crazy. Never mattered. Right. So always knowing to to empty that boat at the beginning of each day, whether it's good or bad. Right. Don't carry around the baggage, but don't think that you're all that in a bag of chips because you won the championships shooting a little ball through a net somewhere. Thank you, Todd. That's good. And this next stanza, the following helps us to to see how to empty our boat, I think. I had to read this next stanza a couple of times. It says, the straight tree is the first to be cut down. The spring of clear water is the first to be drained dry. If you wish to improve your wisdom and shame the ignorant, to cultivate your character and outshine others, a light will shine around you uh, as if you had swallowed the sun and the moon. You will not avoid calamity. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought that was all the things I was supposed to be doing. (laughs) This is what I'm not supposed to be doing. This is how not to empty your boat. (laughs) I thought I was supposed to cultivate my character and outshine others and improve my wisdom. I said, if you do that, you will not avoid calamity. I said, okay. And then, then if we read on down, it says, he who is content, a wise man has said, he who is content with himself has done a worthless job, a worthless work. Achievement is the beginning of failure. Fame is the beginning of disgrace. He who can free himself from achievement and from fame descend and be lost amid the mass. Oh, wait, who can free himself from achievement and from fame? And descend, uh, descend and be lost amid the masses of men. So the goal would be to free yourself of achievement and of fame. Um, 
I just think about that one a little bit too. Was that, was that principles before personalities? Or is that personalities before principles? Like well, it's, asking, it's, avoid. it's asking you to lose it, isn't it? It's asking you to stop this, look at me, look at me, and just do the right thing. I'm, I'm interested in if we just back up. Maybe I missed this, but maybe you've already spoken about this. We did. Okay. Which one, Craig? It says, um, no one will, if, if you can empty your boat across the river of the world, no one will oppose you. I'm interested in the fact that it says no one will seek to harm you. It's almost as if we sometimes think that people are intentionally going out to get you because it's me. Well, haven't you, known, haven't you known people who, I had a sponsee one time who was always fighting with someone about something. He was a professional guy. He was always in a fight, always. And I realized the reason he was in a fight was because he was fighting with everyone. I mean, it was constant. He was fighting over a bill or somebody was screwing him out of something. And so, I mean, it was an ongoing thing. And I'm like, well, if you would just quit fighting with these people, they would quit fighting with you. And he never could get it. He never could get it. Um, this all reminds me of the paradoxes. We suffer to get well. We surrender to win. We die to live. We give away to keep. We empty to learn. Yes. I mean, we can't see, you know, if there's, you know, if we're full, how we can't be filled with anything else, Marla. We've, we've got to be empty. Now, the one line in there that I, I think is paradoxical is where he says he was content with himself, has done a worthless work. That line kind of threw me. I didn't. I'm thinking he's just talking paradoxically there, you know, that uh, uh, that anything you achieve within yourself is worthless. Like uh, content by achieving, content by fame, not not to say how we think of contentment, like uh, be content with what you have. It's to get enough things to require you're trying to make yourself content. I had a boss one time. Um, I did. I had done something that got me some positive attention in the organization from the higher ups, and he said, "It's nice to be in the spotlight, but you don't want to live there." Yeah. And and what I learned from that is that when you're in the spotlight, not only are you a shining example of what good you did, you're a shining example of all the nasty stuff you did too. And you know, try trying. People, some people try to stay in that spotlight no matter what, and then you know. We've all seen on the news all the downfalls of all the politicians and all the famous people that have, have had the spotlight on them, and, and they have been happy with their, what's the word for it, their, you know, they have had pride, and they had have, have um, pride in their accomplishments and those kinds of things, and, you know, pride goes before a fall, I guess, but part of this, I think, is saying, don't go there, don't even start there, and then you don't fall. Yeah. I like it. Thanks, Lou. That's good. Amy, you have something? Yeah, I I got, I told you I got confused and got a little lost here, but that the sentence, um, he who is content with himself has done a worthless work, tripped me up too. Then I got to thinking about it and I was like, hmm, well, if I get to a point where I'm content or complacent 
or okay with the way things are, then maybe I'll stop seeking God or the Tao or growing and becoming a better version of myself. So maybe then I was like, oh, well, maybe that's what it's talking about because I don't ever want to be, it's a journey, right? It's not a destination. I don't want to ever arrive because then I'll stop the journey. And I don't, I don't want to stop the journey. Yeah. I want to be a better version of me every day. And, and how do I do that? By seeking. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. That's good. Anyone else right now with anything? Okay. He who can free himself from achievement, we talk about that, uh, and from fame, and descend to be lost amid the masses. I was thinking of water flowing to the, the low places. Uh, he will go about like life, life itself, which I think from all of this is the real goal of the whole thing is to go about life, like life. He will go about like life itself. With no name, then he describes what that would be. With no name and no home, simple as he, without distinction. To all appearances, he's a fool. His steps leave no trace. He has no power. His achie- he achieves nothing, has no reputation. It sounds like an invisible man a little bit. Well, I was thinking about my last meditation retreat. I got to thinking about one of the things that meditation does for us, does for me. Okay, all of nature, for the most part, is in the moment. What we do as human beings is we get out of the moment by mostly our fears, you know, take us into yesterday or tomorrow. And we really don't live in the moment anymore. And for me, meditation brings me into the moment, just like the rest of nature is in the moment. So this going about like life itself is like us taking our place in nature that we've lost. We start treating life like everything else lives. You can uh, probably, our best example of that for me would be a baby. It's always in the moment that's complete. Uh, You could look at a a dog. A lot of times it's like that. You know, it's about what's going on right now. You know, Um, that whole living, living in the moment. Um, and you know, fame and, uh, achievements are really not that much about the moment when you think about it. What do they really bring? You know, what if you get an award for something you get, you know, you feel good for a minute and then you put the award away. You know, and all through the Tao Te Ching that we've read, you know, the, the wise man's not someone who's, you know, looking for fame, not looking for, you know, uh, all these accolades just does their work and lets go and then letting go makes it stay, right? That whole idea of, of just doing your part and just being a part of. And it's interesting, it says that if we learn to do this, that uh, since he judges no one, no one judges him. Such is the perfect man, his boat's empty. 
So it's empty of all those attachments, really, I think, more than anything. So once we empty our boat, what's to stop it filling up again? Very good question. <laughs> well, is, it, is, it a, is it a state that we can maintain or is it something that we're going to... All right, yeah, okay, the, the, this recovery thing has just clicked. This is something I need to keep working on. I need to keep bailing it out. <laughs> well, that's, that's like uh, living amends, Craig. Yeah. I mean, we learn to live in a place of surrender. We learn in a, to live in more emptiness. And I'm, I'm finding that my job is to learn how to be empty. It's not to figure something out. It's to, it's to stop. It's to be open and available. I mean, I just had a situation this week that I didn't know what to do. And I said, okay, I'm powerless over whatever the situation was. I said, I have no idea what to do here. And I tried some different things and looked and uh, I had dinner with a friend. I said, no, I said, I need to do this. I just don't know what to do. And they said, well, why don't you do this? And it was exactly what I needed and it worked out perfectly. And I never would have thought of it on my own. And I could have just hit my head against the wall and just kept pushing, 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 pushing. But if I wouldn't have asked and not been open to someone else's opinion, I would have never figured that out. So I think it's just taking that to another level. Openness and, uh, you know, this is, we think this is an extraordinary thing, but it's really the most ordinary thing. I, I feel like I need superpowers to empty my heart. Yeah, I guess so. See, this is the way we're supposed to be living. This is not the extraordinary way to live. This is the way we're supposed to be. We're just getting in our way. <laughs> so, Craig, once we have placed a key of willingness in a lock and have the door ever so slightly open, we find that we can always open it some more, though self-will may slam it shut again as it frequently does it will always respond the moment we again pick up the key of willingness i recognize that what book's that from 1212 i knew that just for everybody else i suppose that's really why it's called a practice we have to practice doing it because once that book starts filling up we need to know how to bail it out well, I mean, the, the way that we empty it is, uh, is a way of life. And we just maintain that way of life. I mean, it's the same thing that when we say, you know, when somebody drinks, you say, ooh, what happened when they have a slip? Well, they stopped doing the things that worked most of the time. Uh, well, well, every time that I know of, you know, they, they just quit doing what worked and it eventually caught up with. So... It's not that difficult, Amy. Yes, he gets he or she gets content with himself. That then becomes a worthless work. Achievement is the beginning of failure. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Look at me, look at me. I got some time sober. I haven't had a drink in however long, six months, a year, 10 years, whatever the case may be. I've achieved, I've arrived, I've arrived. Fame is the beginning of disgrace. That's the fall. Oh, wow. Yep. 
That sounds like somebody saying to me, there's still plenty of time to fuck it up, Craig. It does. It says it all the time. Can you subtitle that for me? I didn't hear it. Write it down. (laughs) But, you know, it really is a way of life. That's what uh, this, for me, this is having emptiness become the way we live. Because if I think I've got anything figured out, I'm headed for disaster. Whatever it is I'm talking about, doesn't matter. I don't know if anybody follows Robin Sharma. He's uh, no, he's he's uh, he's a motivational speaker and author, and he wrote books like The Monk Who Sold His Fire, and he's he's very he's very much into contentment and. You know, being happy with happy with life's lot, and um, one of his he's always going on about consistency. One of his his brain tattoos he calls him is consistency is the mother of mastery. That's going to be my next tattoo. I'm mom's but so consistency is the mother of mastery. And on the flip side of that, complacency is the food of our addictions. So when we start getting complacent, the old habits creep in. When I stop doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing, old habits creep in, old thoughts keep going in, old behaviours start to come in as well. It's because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Thank you, Craig. So what is so how does he say that we accomplish this? What 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 are the steps practically? How do we empty our boat? Daily inventory. Take a, take a daily inventory. Make amends where we need to. If we've if we've harmed somebody, if we make the amends there and then. One thing I was thinking about was not taking things personally. Well, that's a step too far for me. No, it that's is not. The, that's that's the other boats being empty. You know, just don't take it personally. They're not doing that to me. First of the four agreements, or second of the four agreements. I think that's what it means when it no, says. It's not, Amy, we, we do a Tuesday morning meeting on the four agreements, or is it Wednesday morning? Wednesday morning meeting. Well, four. there's another synchronicity thing because I'm reading this with the sponsee, right? Last night, we are reading, consider how many times you've gossiped about the person you love the most to gain the support of others for your point of view, right? And then we read... You can measure the impeccability of your word by your level of self-love. How much you love yourself and how you feel about yourself are directly proportionate to the quality and integrity of your word. When you're impeccable with your word, you feel good. You feel happy and at peace. Integrity. Integrity. Being impeccable with my word to me means I have integrity and some dignity. But um, not taking things personally, I live by that. It clears things up in a really big way all the time because I'm never thinking when if I think somebody's thinking about me, something about me, it's never true. Is it, Craig? (laughs) It's never true. Lou, you have something, sir? Well, I was just thinking that um, the part where it talks about um, not being opposed. It's like if you're not in the if you're not in the business of um, opposing others or of of feeling in, 
imposed upon, um, then you're, it's not like being content with yourself. It's like being content without yourself, without your ego. Yeah. Without your ego, then you're not, if you're not in, I kind of feel like if you're not in the business, it's saying that if you're not in the business of being upset when somebody bumps into you, if they bump into you and you have no response or you smile or whatever, their boat hits you, um, it's kind of hard for them to get mad at you. Yeah, it says it outright that if, uh, since you don't judge anyone, you don't get judged yourself. Yes. So much of my life has been about um, judgment and self defense, (laughs) Um, judging others, and then, hey, it's not my fault, you know, deflecting judgment from others. Like, I don't want to take back what I give out. Yeah. Yeah, the Course in Miracles idea of, of defense is really an attack. You know, yeah. you're you know when you defend, you're really attacking yourself. You know, it's what happens. But you know, if you're not in your boat either, <laughs> there's no one. To, there's no way to get mad at someone bumping into you if you're not in your boat. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean by if you're not living in the world yeah. of opposing and being. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Amy, you scratching your head. I, I was just trying to figure out if you're not in your boat, where are you? Ah. I think it's I think it's maybe just the fact that you're consciously or you're not consciously doing things or so I think if I'm intentionally going out and ramming everybody else's boat to make everybody else's life a, a misery. Just because my life's miserable, I want everybody else to suffer as well. Then I'm gonna, I'm gonna ram every everybody in the lake. That's it. Everybody's getting it. Whereas I think if I'm just quietly fishing, just doing my own thing, and my boat accidentally bumps into somebody, I think that's a different matter. I think it's to do with the intention. What's what's behind what's behind the boats bumping into each other. I was thinking it had to do with who. I mean, our boat, free of our agenda, of our achievements, of our fame, of our ego, it's still our boat. We're, it's just empty of those things now. So I, I think that's the emptiness. It's not that we're void of personality or we're no longer us. It's just that we don't have this hidden agenda anymore this control, this judging, all those things. Because ultimately... Maybe I, need, sorry, maybe I need a smaller boat that can fit less. Because I'm just imagining myself driving this big double-hulled oil tanker and you guys are just floating around along this little skiff. Because notice it says, if you're doing this correctly, no one will oppose you, no one will seek to harm you. And no one, since we don't judge, no one will judge us. So that's the benefits of the empty boat. So doesn't mean we don't do things or go about life. It's just that we're not seeking to harm anyone. We're not, so we don't get harmed. Our ego is not in control. So we're able to not judge. You know, we learn to walk in love instead. That's how, that's how I've, that's where I think it goes. I don't take things personally that other people do. And I seek a way to give 
rather than a way to get. Just like the paradoxes that we read would give a way to keep. Makes sense to me if I read it as um, instead of boat, ego. Yeah. And empty yeah. your own ego crossing the river of the world. No one will oppose you. No one will seek to harm you. Um, if somebody sees another, if there's a, an ego bumps into them, <laughs> then they get angry. But they don't, if it, only if there's another ego to get angry at. Now, that's a little bit of a stretch maybe, but the, the bottom part where it says if you empty your own boat, if you empty your own ego crossing the river of the world, no one will oppose you. No one will seek to harm you. That makes sense to me. Okay. I was thinking of being like a tree. Okay. I was just thinking of nature as a, you know, if some, if, uh, does a tree, like if you were to attack, or you could think of it like water. If you get in the way of water, what does water do? Does water fight back and get mad at you and refuse to go another way? It just finds the, just the way it can go using, using gravity, but not even its own power. It has no power of its own. And it just finds another way around, doesn't fight. This like life itself, I think of the way that, you know, you know, if you go up and cut a limb off a tree, it doesn't take another limb and slap you with it. You know, it doesn't attack. <laughs> you know, it doesn't. There's no ego there to attack you. So it's empty, in other words. Uh, just like, you know, and water's the great example of that, too, is being empty. Just takes a path of least resistance and goes. Doesn't refuse anyone, you know. It'll it'll thirst any any quench anyone's thirst, no matter how good or bad the person is. Has no bearing, you know. No matter how bad someone needs the water, it can't, you know, uh, work against the laws of nature and and help, you know, and get to somewhere it needs to be or that someone needs it. No matter how bad, it can't do that. But it has no agenda. You know, it's that same kind of like life itself, you know. Um, but when somebody does me what I think they're doing me wrong, I so much want to remember that and not wish them well. And if I let my fears control what's going on, no boat is empty. And especially my boat's not empty. And uh, I can't. There's no way I can walk in this and be at peace if that's the case. Any other comments? This is definitely the first three steps. I am powerless. Believe it, a power greater than myself. Can, let's say, say I'm powerless over alcohol. My life is unmanageable. Came to believe a power greater than myself could restore us to sanity and made a decision to turn my will and my life or our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood God. This is turning my will and life over. That's living in the great void. Marla? No, I was just thinking, no, thinking out loud. Nothing. Okay. So the part about um, he will flow like Tao unseen. He will go about like life itself with no name and no home. Simple. He simple is he without distinction that took me back to the 12 and 12 um where it says we have not once sought to be one in a family to be a friend among friends 
to be a worker among workers, to be a useful member of society. Always we tried to struggle to the top of the heap or to hide underneath it. The self-centered behavior blocked a partnership relation with any one of those about us. Of true brotherhood, we had small comprehension. Yeah. But that's also ego. We can't get away from it. We're born with it. This is part of being a human, is that we have egos. Yeah, but we have some ways. We're realizing ways, though, that we can we can live live in an emptiness that helps us to get uh, to live a life a little free of all of that, though, Marla. We're learning that. Well, yeah, that's the point of this. But the the discouraging thing for me is that it it's this is part of human being human is we have to we have an ego to grapple with. And, you know, I've been working forever to right size it. It's, um, you know, it's a work. I'm a work in progress. It's a progressive thing. It's a practice. It's, you, you know, that's, that's the yin and yang of this thing. If we, if we didn't have the ego to grapple with, we couldn't have the freedom and the emptiness. Right. See, we, we have to have something to surrender. <laughs> you know, if, 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 uh, if we, we can't be empty until we can't learn to empty until we have something to empty. You know, we have to work. There has to be something. Uh, I don't know how to put that into words. I don't know if that's making sense. Uh, yeah, it does. It's, it's, you have to, you need the ego in order to. The struggle empty. is the gift. The struggle is the gift that causes us to learn how to be empty. It's like the gift of alcohol, right? Yeah. That, that, uh, I think it was a gift to be an alcoholic personally, because without that need to surrender, I would have never learned. I don't think I would ever learn how to surrender if my life didn't depend on it. And then once I learned how to be empty with alcohol, which is basically what we did or what I did, then I said, wow, I want the same emptiness in other ways in my life. So that's exactly what we're learning to do. What's, didn't we do the serenity prayer, the empty serenity prayer? How did that go? God grant me the emptiness uh, to, oh, how's the serenity prayer go? To accept the things. That, <laughs> you I'm, you I'm, always I'm, have I'm, an issue with the serenity prayer. I love it. I God I grant me the meeting. emptiness to, to accept, accept the things I cannot change, the emptiness to change the things I can, and the wisdom, and the emptiness to know it's the difference. difference right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we can we can discuss this tomorrow, but if you want, if you okay. thank you. I need some help with the serenity prayer, Craig. Thank you. I always have to get it when we're when I'm chairing the nightly meet the meeting at night. I have to I have to read it because if I don't, I'll I'll stumble through it. Uh, yeah, but grant me the emptiness to accept what I can't change, the emptiness to change the things I can, and the emptiness to know the difference. Because it's not in the wisdom that we know, it's in the emptiness that we know. It's the emptiness that causes us to know. Our open-mindedness to look intuitively rather than look at our head knowledge, look at our heart knowledge. See, I think that's what the emptiness is, is we're, we're open-minded. Which you have to be in order to recover, to be in recovery. You have to be open-minded. 
if you don't want to be a miserable drunk, like a non-drinking drunk, you know, a dry drunk. Yeah, we're we're an alcoholic not because we drank it. How we felt when we drank, we're an alcoholic is how we felt when we weren't drinking. <laughs> that was the problem. That's what I was trying to lose that whole time. Yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to gain a connection. Yeah. I want to feel something, just instead of to feel to feel numb, to feel something. Yeah. And feeling drunk and high was good, pretty good. Buddy, you just said something about heart knowledge and head knowledge. And what did you say? <laughs> you I said you the, got- goal, the goal with emptiness is for us to look at our heart knowledge rather than depending on our head knowledge. The difference between uh, living by uh, a formula or what we learn, cognitive learning versus opening our heart and being led by love would be a, a way to look okay. at that. Because it's like when we learn in recovery is it's our experience that helps another person. It's not teaching them the formula that helps them. It's not a secret formula. Hmm. You know, do this and this and this, and you will never drink again. No, it doesn't work that way. What, what I do is I say, okay, this is what I did. And then maybe that'll work for you. Maybe, you know, maybe it won't. I don't know, but this is how I did it. And we learned to share our experience. That has been invaluable for somebody in recovery. For me, when I first got into recovery, hearing other people saying the things that were going on in my head. Yeah. That's when I got hope it could work for me. When I saw it working for someone else, it wasn't yeah. about the formula. It was about, Okay, I saw it working for them, so I think it'll work for me too. Exactly. And then I did what they said. You know, we worked the steps and did the other things, but 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 the the initial attraction was I had hope because I saw it working for someone else. It wasn't because they handed me a book and said, "Do this and it'll work." It was like, "Oh, I saw it working in their life." Right. Like people can actually have fun and live a, a fulfilling life without drinking. Mm-hmm. It can. It can be done. Yeah, half the country doesn't that was, drink. That was, I never knew that. Half or is it 90%? I don't no, we never have a drink. And like less than, like there's only 15, 18% that are alcoholic. Yeah. And yet there's one in every family. Come on. <laughs> there is. Every time I tell somebody I'm an alcoholic, oh, my brother, my, my ex-wife, my this, my that. There's one in every family. It can't be just 10%, 15%. <laughs> well, well, if you look at 15 people, one out of the 15, if there's one in the family, you know, that would be about right. Usually if there's one, there's several, right? In a family. Yeah. I don't know. Well, they have to marry the people from Al-Anon, so that spreads more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any other comments, guys? This has been, I think this has been good. Always an important chapter. Every Everything we read regarding the Tao is important. Anytime we can talk about emptiness is good, you know. Uh, Amy, did that answer your question about the head, heart, all of that? Yeah, yeah. Your perspective, especially with sharing, you know, when I get to share my experience from the heart with someone else instead of 
me telling them a formula to live by. Yeah, that that absolutely made it sense. Made it make sense. Um, I I was just thinking like there's been several times where I've thought if if I could just get my head and my heart to connect, mm-hmm. then it would then it would make even more sense, right? Because intellectually. But I guess that's part of it too, because intellectually, right? Like we rise above people, like we tend alcoholics and here goes the ego part of it. <laughs> alcoholics tend to be so much smarter, right? Intellectually, because we think we can figure it out and we think we have all the answers, but then it's the spiritual part that we're missing, which I guess is the heart piece, right? Once we get that heart piece, then the intellectual stuff can start to make sense. But I guess the emptiness is in between. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, it may be if you're talking about a particular situation, let's say you're. uh, Somebody comes to you, they want to stop drinking. Okay, if your boat was empty, you'd be sharing your experience of how it worked for you. If your boat wasn't empty, you would be talking about uh, do this and this and this. And you'd be talking from your ego. You would be explaining the uh uh you would you wouldn't talk experience you would you would tell them how to do it instead of how you did it and then you would wonder why it did not work for them see that's that's the difference so every situation in life you could look at each of those situations like one of your boats let's say and you approach that as from a point of emptiness or you approach it full of yourself you know, that that's kind of the way I'm seeing this, too. So if you you can look at it as individual things versus your whole life as one boat, you know, you could look at each uh, person, place and thing you deal with as a separate boat if you wanted to, because some of mine are empty and some are not, you know. But I, still- I was thinking about what Amy just said about. Um, we we know things. Intellectually but we don't always know them in our hearts. And what, what Amy asked is, is that, that empty space in between um, the intellectual and, and the heart. Is that what you were asking? And, yeah. and while Buddy was talking about that, I'm thinking, yes, that's exactly where the emptiness lies is right there where, when it starts to like get into your heart and you, that's when things like um, smooth out. It's like, oh yeah, that's how it is. It's happened for, few and far between for me, but it it that's evolution for me. That's been evolution is when it finally gets into my heart. That's when it that's when it's real. And I think once I start loving myself in my heart, because intellectually I can, but it's not in my heart yet. I'm going to feel completely different. Go ahead. Go ahead, I'm I'm done. For for me too. Let's say I have something that I have a little knowledge about, head knowledge. If I will just, well, whatever it is that's going on, I say, you know, I'm powerless over whatever this is that's happening, even though I think I have the answer, and I introduce emptiness to it. I introduce powerlessness. I'm like a, I'll start to open my mind and open myself to some other ideas rather than just going headlong as if I know all the answers. Um, 
I think that's one way it moves from head to heart for me, Amy, is, is I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but just approaching something, because used to, I wouldn't even say that prayer about anything. I would just, oh, I know what to do with this. I just do this and this and this. Now, if I just take a moment and pause and say, okay, I think I know what to do here, but I really am powerless over this. There, there may be a better way to do this. There may be a different, and I'm learned to do that with things that I have some knowledge about. And when I do, sometimes other situ- other solutions show themselves that are better. Yeah, I think of what Marla was saying about the ego and how we have, you know, you kind of have to have an ego. You want to shower every once in a while, put on deodorant so people don't run away from you. Um, but there's degrees of it, right? There's some people that have these huge egos and, and uh, inflate them all the time. And there's other people that are really humble. So it's kind of like on a, on a continuum. And it's the insights. It's the kind of things that we're talking about today and the experiences people have and share. I think that's where insight and awakening, maybe, for lack of a better word, happens. But if you're not exposed to that, then the chances of you moving down the low ego continuum, it seems is harder. And that reflection on it, because we grow up and are taught all kinds of things that are ego bound. Um, my, my father and his siblings were very, very poor growing up in the depression. Um, my grandfather died. They were about ready to be split up. I mean, they, it was really, really poor. And every one of them had two jobs at least in their adulthood. And so what I internalized was you got to get another job or you got to get that better job, better get that better job, better move on up and get that, get more money, get better job. Um, and that's all ego involved stuff. So, un, you know, these kinds of things help me unlearn a little bit and be open, open the heart part rather than not so much the intellect, but the, the habit of thinking, the habit of mental models that's when foisted, um, on society or family or whomever. Thanks, Lou. That's good. Oh, the habits. The habits are hard to break. We have tools to use if we will use them. Anyone else, guys, before we close? Mm-hmm. All minds clear. All minds empty. My boat is empty. My boat is empty. Uh. <laughs> Hello. How about yours, Craig? Is yours empty yet? Is your head empty, Craig? I'm I'm bailing it. I'm bailing it as quick as I can. I'm tr- I'm trying to trying to plug the jug. He's trying to find the easier software because he's going to trade his boat in for a smaller one to see if that works better. No, no, no. I, I want a bigger boat so it looks emptier. There's not as oh. much shit flying around. Can I do that? Perception. Is that- it is a disease of perception. That's for sure. <laughs> I, wanna, <laughs> I never would have thought of that, Craig. Instead of emptying my boat, I just get a bigger one. So get a bigger one. Get, <laughs> get, get a bigger one with all these cupboards. You just. <laughs> yeah, that's it, Craig. Thank you. Thank you as much shit as you can, so you can't see it. <laughs> Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Craig. All right, guys. Well, y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. 
Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.